0: All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sim's DFS office hours. It is Friday, November 4th of 2022. Looking ahead to the weekend, got an action-packed weekend full of great DFS slates. Hoping everybody is looking forward to getting in on the action as well. If you are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches here at Saber Sim. This is a show. where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS questions that come in in our Discord server in the Office Hours channel. If you're not a member of our Discord server, there's a link in the description below. Highly recommend getting joined up, getting in there, getting your questions answered on stream. If you're just joining and you have some questions, go ahead and get those in the YouTube chat. We will get to all of the questions before the end of the stream. Promise you guys that, as always. But with that being said, you know, I pinged the channel late that we were going to be starting the stream today, you know, so apologies there. We do have some questions to get us rolling today. So if you have more questions, get them in the chat and we will keep the stream going. So that being said, going to start with a question here from Snowman11 came in in Discord earlier. So going to get us going here. Let me get the Sabertim app pulled up and this question says best time to build lineups and add them to dk nfl and nba okay good question so nba i would say that it you know barring injury news it is okay to probably start building your lineups especially for the first set of games that kick off I would say probably within 30 minutes of the slate lock. I think that, you know, news is constantly breaking in NBA. If you don't have a process that can basically allow you to absorb news and make adjustments in a small period of time, I think 30 minutes is probably too much. I would say probably even less, but you know, if, uh, I I would say like, like for me personally answer for myself about 10 to 15 minutes before the slate locks. If there are still not starting lineups out, I will start building. Like I need about 10 minutes to do my, like run my lineups, make my exposure adjustments and get my lineups in. That doesn't mean that I only start my process 10 minutes before, because before that I'm doing research, but I would say, you know, do your research, and then try and wait till all of the lineups are released. You can see where when the lineups are released and when Sims are running in the NBA Lineup Alert channel in Discord. When you see Sims complete, you can come in here, hit the refresh icon, and you'll see the last updated update, and then the teams will have green check marks on the team. And then if you click into a team the team will have green check marks for the players that are confirmed starting. So, you know, it's it's best pra- best practice is wait till all of the lineups are confirmed for like the beginning of the slate and then build your lineups. You know, depending on how along your process is to from build lineups to adjust lineups to, you know, revise if needed to put lineups in, you know, you kind of have to gauge that for yourself and say, okay, you know, I have a hard cutoff of 15 minutes before the slate. I'm going to start building with the latest available news and just go from there. And sometimes you have to make those hard decisions. I think it's okay. Just remember that it is a problem that everybody in your contest is dealing with. It is not just you. So, you know, there's like the only edge to be had is that if it takes somebody less time to do The steps that require it to take, you know, 15 minutes, maybe, maybe like I could do it in 10, maybe you could do it in 15. So I have like that extra five minutes. So you know, I would just say, try and limit what you're doing in the post build screen as much as you possibly can. I think it's okay to run some test builds, you know, based on your research before then, and see who the builders liking, you know, you can go through some of that build review, revise before final lineups come out i think like that is like the really the key takeaway is that you can run builds and you can run test builds and you can see if the plays you like saber sim is liking them and if saber sim is not liking them you can go through those build review revised cycles before the final lineups come out make the projection adjustments you need that way when final lineups come out you run that final batch of the actual Uh, build you're going to use to build your lineups that you're taking into the pool you should be good and the lineups that you get should look like what you want so figure out how much time it takes you from you know from clicking build lineups start new build to how long it takes you to make your adjustments and put those into your contests and kind of work backwards from there but i think the key takeaway is you know do your research do your test builds Go through your build review revise cycles before that point. That way, once those final lineups do come out or any final news comes out, you can act on it and get the lineups you want and get those into your contest contests right away. Okay, another so that was for that was my spiel for NBA. So for for NFL, I think it's totally okay to start building lineups like okay, so so working backwards. Inactives get released 90 minutes before game time. The final Sabre Sims Sims run one hour to lock. So if you're looking at NFL and, you know, the slate starts at 1 p.m. Eastern. So final Sims are going to run at 12 p.m. Eastern. Inactive News is going to come out at 11 a.m., 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. It is okay to build lineups, even have your final lineup set before then. It all depends on the news that comes out and the news that is pending. A lot of times the players that are going to be ruled inactive are wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives, guys on special teams, like kind of those guys that you probably aren't getting a lot in your lineup in the first place. I personally like to build my lineups Before then, I I get on in the morning, I build my lineups, I wait for inactives to come out. The first thing I do is once those final sims run, I come in here, I refresh the projections, and I see if this lightning bolt is on. If this lightning bolt is red, that tells me that there are players in my lineups that are now ruled out for the slate since the inactives came out. I'll go in here and I'll see who's ruled out, I'll see how many lineups I have them in. And, you know, if it's like one random lineup where some guy was in, you know, I might just do like a quick, quick swap to take care to take care of that one lineup of the, you know, hundreds of unique lineups I have and be done with it. I don't think it's worth redoing all the work at that point. If, you know, Sunday comes and somebody in the morning games, maybe Austin Eckler here, Austin Eckler gets ruled out. Then, you know, I probably had like a ton of Eckler and that is cause for rebuilding from from scratch. And that's okay. I think that you should you should be comfortable like building your lineups before that point. Or if you know that, you know, there are like some real like game time decision guys that can like flip the slate on its head if they get ruled out. It's also okay to wait. But, you know, you should be good to go an hour to game time. You could still do all your research. You could stu- still do test builds before then. Some of it might not be as useful if slate breaks one way or another. But I think, I think you know, for both sports, just kind of remember, like, it's okay to do research and, and test builds and draw conclusions and kind of figure out how you want to approach a slate before the final sims run. But it's always best practice to come back to the app after final sims have run. Just to either one, check your lineups, make sure that they're still viable and no news broke that would cause you to need to change, or uh, two, to make sure like all your players are in. So those are my thoughts there, Snowman. Let me know if anybody has any follow up there. Gonna hit this next question here from James. And looks like James said Is there a specific overall lineup ownership percentage that's between a certain range? For the winner of a contest like the Spy, what's the way, best way to guarantee your lineup will be competitive in a contest like that? Certain build, construct, constructs, etc. Okay, James. So, um, off the off the top of my head, I don't know what the Spy is, uh, what what exact contest that is, but I'm gonna go over to DraftKings really quickly, go over to the NFL lobby, and then just type in the spy. So okay, so the spy is a one hundred dollar single entry contest. Look like looks like it's in the one thousand to ten thousand entrant range with a couple different options of the spy opening up as the as the week progresses. It looks like there's three different versions of the spy. So so <laughs> right right off the bat. uh you know the one thing that that I would say is that if you go into the lobby, and you know I'm not a Rainmakers guy, I I don't participate in Rainmakers, and I uh, I probably won't. But if if you're playing the the big spy, the four thousand four hundred forty four entry one, uh, last place or not not last place, but like the the bottom tier of payouts is an elevate rare pack. So just understand that like there is a subset of payouts. It looks like 500 spots that are not getting cash value. You are instead getting rainmakers packs. So you have to finish even higher to actually like cash with like cash money. So that's something I would take into account if I wanted to determine which version of the spy that I'm playing. It seems like you know, DraftKings just, you know, kind of trying to work it in there. It's it's kind of hard to even like notice that right off the bat. So if, if if I was signing up for the spy, I would probably play the second tier spy where they are not giving out Rainmakers packs and the payoff structure is uh, more similar to what they usually run. So just, just a side note there on the spy. And then going back to your original question, you know, is there a specific overall lineup ownership percentage that's between a certain range for the winner of a contest like the spy? So that's not research we do here. I know that's, I know there are other companies that do research like this and kind of put out guidelines at the beginning of the year for Millie maker contests and some ownership and things like that. We really don't like to use hard and fast rules here over at SaberSim. We think that it's just a very blunt way of like trying to accomplish a certain goal. What we really try and pride ourselves on is our back testing of our sliders and our uh, contest sims that we run in order to come up with this data. So I think like the best thing to do is come in here, set your style to GPP, set your entry to single, and then set your entrance to the number of entries in the contest. It'd be one to 10,000. And these sliders, like this much correlation, like how highly correlation is going to be valued, how highly ownership feed is going to be valued, how highly sim diversity is going to be valued, are back-tested based on contest sims that we run. And we determine that these settings and this balance of correlation ownership and sim diversity will lead to a the the highest positive ev uh of your lineups in the long run so i think like that is the the best way to think about it if you want to work in ownership rules into your process you know you can easily do that in using our aggregate rules so, you know, if you want to come in here and say, you know, my own sum is no more than x, you could totally do that. I'm not going to be the right person to give you that answer frankly because I don't use a rule like that and, you know, I've had conversations with other members of the team and that's just not something that we kind of internally use like regularly, but um I think like ownership rules are better in sports where or contest types for duplication avoiding duplication is more important like showdowns like mma etc in sports like that i would i would even go a step further and not use some ownership i would rather use like product ownership or geo mean which is a which is like a version of product ownership that is like a little easier to use if you're looking for some background on you know geo mean and product ownership jordan and i did an awesome segment talking about it, explaining it in depth formulas on the screen in, in word, just kind of diving through there. And, and we just like really did a deep dive when this originally came out. So where I would point you to is if you were to go to our YouTube channel and go over to the, uh, playlists, you go to the office hours playlist and you will see this video right here called DFS q a product ownership and geometric mean there are timestamps we hit it right at the beginning of the show like a 30 minute segment talking about you know pros and cons of these techniques and how to work them into your process I think that product ownership is probably objectively better than some ownership but um you know if you're if you're looking for a deep dive that's that's the place to go to to learn about it but anyways gonna continue. With the questions here, got a question here from Phantom. I think this is a good question that bars some review from time to time. Phantom said, coming from virtually no lineup builder optimizer to SaberSim is a bit overwhelming. Honestly, I've been trying to watch as many videos as possible, follow the Profit plan, although I don't have a large bankroll, and just play around with the builder and sliders to see what I get. What Would the best advice for someone like me when building contest lineups be to just keep it simple? Okay, really good question, Phantom. So so the first thing that catches my eye right off the bat is when you say right here, would the – you say, okay, it says, and just play around with the builder and sliders to see what I get. So I think that adjusting the sliders and running running builds at different slider settings for different contests to kind of see what they're doing is a great way to kind of understand the app. I would say, you know, run it like, uh, let me pull the stream back up, run the sliders for single entries and then see what, you know, your pool of lineups looks like. Run it for 150 max where the sliders are, are way up and see what that looks like. Run it with, you know, sliders off, run it with zero, zero, ten, run it with, you know, all different types of combinations and kind of get an idea of how different things are valued in different types of contests, what is going on with your player pool. You can look at, you know, the type of lineups you're getting, the stack constructions, you know, how many players are paired with your quarterback, how many times are you getting qb plus no skill player stacks so i think all of these things combined is you know really great ways to kind of get used to the tool overall and and you can see here like you know these are the things that i'm talking about going and looking at so if we were to click into a build i think this is from yesterday but you know you can go into any build and if you're really trying to just like kind of learn i would say do two things make sure that you can see this pool exposure column over here on the right. I think it gets hidden. The best way to do it is to just hide one of these other columns. I tend to hide like the status or the value early in the week, just so I can see that and kind of, you know, say how much exposure I'm getting in my 20 lineups versus how much exposure I'm getting in my entire pool of 500 and kind of use that to see, you know, how Saber Sim is pushing certain players into my lineup and keeping other players out. I like to go into the stack types. You could do the same thing here. You know, what stack types is it favoring? What stack types are in my pool that Saber Sim is avoiding? And you can look at game stacks, you know, pretty interesting that like we're getting no chargers Atlanta, even though they're about like 9%. And then we, we have a couple lineups, with the Vegas Jacksonville and Carolina Cincinnati at lower pool exposure. But, you know, just, just, I, I I definitely think you're on the right path. Just run builds, see what it gives you. One note of caution is that when you finally go to run your builds for whatever contest you are playing, set the sliders back to the defaults and don't adjust them at this point, you know, you've kind of, Played around with different settings, kind of seen what they did. Like the settings that we are giving to you are the best settings for the contest you're playing based on our back testing. And if the sliders were better at a different spot, we would move them because that would make sense. But I like we're telling you, like, you know, trust us, like these are the best settings. This is the best amount of weight of correlation and ownership fade and sim diversity for this type of contest. So Just want to reiterate that point, but, you know, going back to like process, right? So going back to the process. So I just want to reiterate, like SaberSim is doing all the hard work for you. All this data you see are our simulation data. A ton of work goes into the Sims and making sure that the Sims are accurate every week. If you click on any individual player, you're going to see a range of outcomes for the player, And this is just a summary of how often a certain player scores a certain amount of points in our simulations. We have correlation data. We have all of these different things to try and kind of show you what is going on behind the scenes in like a summary format. And I think that your time is always going to be best spent in the post build screen with none to minimal adjustments in the home screen and managing your risk, managing your exposures, trying to get to players that you, for one reason or another want to play, you know, you did some research, you read some articles, you listened to some podcasts and you just have like some convictions that players are going to be good plays and you kind of want to get to those lineups. I encourage you to like run some default builds and kind of see what Saber Sim is giving you and listen to Saber Sim I I really recommend that people only try and focus on a handful of players where they wanna kind of take a stand or make adjustments and let Saber Sim handle the rest. So, you know what I what I tell a lot of people is that, you know, you're gonna so this leverage column is gonna tell you, you know, who your highest leverage play is, which means like you have more of this player than the field is expected to have. And you're also going to have negative leverage, which means you have less of this player than the field is expected to have. And I think your time is always best spent on the, on the like max and min sides of the player spectrum. You know, you're going to have a lot of guys in the middle where you are like pretty close slash like matching the field on. And I think like, you know, let, let Saber Sim handle like the, the meat in the middle, and you kind of trim the fat off of the ends and, uh, you know, make sure like you're handling like the outliers and making sure that you're not there's not too much risk in your portfolio to where, you know, all of your lineups have Robert Tunyon and he's like your make it or break it guy. That's probably too much risk for me. You know, I might dial that down and play something, uh, with like just not have that much leverage to a single player in a, in a sport where injuries happen often. So that's what I really recommend to people is, you know, Saber sim does is, is great at building positive EV lineups, but it doesn't understand risk management. And that's where it is a combination of man plus machine to come up with a good, strong portfolio that you are comfortable taking with you into your contests on Sunday. I'll say, like, you know, if you build your lineups and, and you know, you submit them and you feel uneasy about it and things don't go your way and, like, you're upset, like, I I think you probably didn't do enough risk management. Maybe the portfolio of lineups that you took into your contest were too high risk and maybe you should have dialed that down. Our men unique players filter is an option is a is an awesome option for decreasing inter lineup correlation what this feature does is that it will make sure whatever you set this to so right now every lineup i'm seeing has at least one player different but that also means that they share one two three four five six seven eight okay so there's nine players in the lineup they can technically share up to eight players that doesn't mean that's the case but that means that, like, that is an option in this scenario. So, you know, what we can do is – hold on, let me resort this – is we can we can use this filter and say, you know what, I don't want the players in my lineup – I don't want to have the option of having that many same players in every lineup. Let me increase this to three, and then we can see how far down in the pool we have to go. Only lineup 26, and I could increase this to four. So what we generally recommend is trying to increase your min unique players as, as high as you can while still maintaining a strong portfolio. What that kind of means is what we generally recommend is don't go further than 25 to 50% of the way into your pool of lineups. If you reach that point, I would dial the min unique players back down. So we'll just demo this. You know, we're at five, which is really awesome. At six, so so at this point, there are nine players. I know that every out of the 20 lineups I have, every lineup has at least six players different from one of the other lineups, and I am still in the top 50% of my pool because the 50% would be 250. So I would probably stop right about here, and then I know that the three players that are being shared are probably, like, really, really good plays and are in a great spot. So this is a way of, like, managing your exposures but allowing Saber Sims to still put the best plays into your lineup and work around that. So, like, to me, this would tell me Joe Mixon is, like, in a really good spot this week and Saber Sim wanted to maintain its exposure to Joe Joe Mixon and thought that the best value add was to move the pieces around joe mixon around and not him i think a lot of times the way people would adjust their exposures to try and be less risky is to just come and decrease the max exposure of the top exposed players is telling you no let's move all these other guys around they're less important than joe mixon is so i think it's like a more organic way of maintaining exposures to the best plays while still decreasing interlineup correlation So those are my thoughts there. Let me know if anyone has any questions and going to keep moving here. Got a question from M star 79. Going to get this in the chat and we will get going. Question says, sorry, if this has been asked a lot recently, haven't been able to watch lately. So I saw Jordan's video about upping min uniques until your bottom lineup. Saber score rank is about 20 to 25% of the total pool. Use an NFL slate as the example question. Would this apply to NBA as well as NFL or should NBA have fewer men uniques because it isn't as high variance? Thanks. Okay. Didn't even know this question was next up in the queue. Just really builds on the last question that we were just talking about. And, you know, just to talk about this for, for NBA, the, the short answer is that yes, you should, you should use it in the same exact format. The only time that I would suggest being more cautious with your min uniques is if you're playing Showdown or MMA, um, but particularly particularly Showdown. So we did a demo with Showdown a couple weeks ago, and we were basically only able to get like two min uniques. And the reason for that, first and foremost, is because there are just less players in the lineup. You know, we just did the demo for NFL and there were nine players in an NFL showdown lineup, there's only six. But you know, one thing we noticed is that also when you start increasing the number of men uniques, you start getting a lot of lower owned captains because Saber sim is being forced to try and meet this rule. So I think a lot of times in, in in contest formats where you're searching for like the optimal play a lot of the time to, to bink, You know, sometimes it's like a, it's like one swap, one player swap. You have all the right pieces, but you just didn't get that one piece right. And you only needed to swap one player by increasing your min uniques to two. You're forcing every lineup to have at least two players different. So I just think that there's a lot more opportunity to miss certain lineups by forcing in two min uniques in a sport like showdown, but for, for NBA, I would use it the exact same way as we just demoed and that would be by trying to increase this number to a a spot in the pool that that we're comfortable still playing lineups in the pool so we just increase this to five now we're getting lineup rank 432 379 you know like that bottom half of the pool i would i would dial this back to four and i would be a lot happier playing you know rank 120 as like the lowest Sabre score rank lineup in the, in the lineups that I'm taking with me into my contest. I like it a lot better. If you're, you know, still not feeling some of this uh, exposure, you know, then you can dial this back and see what the builder gives you. So, you know, I'm going to decrease Jonathan Kaminga to 75 and maybe Jalen McDaniels to 50. I'm going to hit apply. And then I'm going to see where that takes me. So that took me pretty far in the pool if I had, I would, I would, you know, ask if I really cared that much about having less of these two players and make a decision. If the answer is yes, I want less of those players. Then you could come in and readjust your menu leaks and see where that brings you. Or two is, you know, you could, you could turn this back off and just remember we just made the update this week where your exposure adjustments do not apply automatically unless you hit this uh you turn this auto apply exposures on right now it is not turned on and i would have to hit this apply after making all of my changes to get those to apply so just a couple notes there everybody but good question we're going to keep the stream moving today okay uh snowman said thank you happy to answer your question snowman looks like um one thing that was brought up and if if you guys have more questions about minunique so awesome resource if you go into the settings in the top right and you go to help so it's going to open up the sabersim help docs and i'm going to pull those up really quickly here so this is like our help doc uh, landing page you can go down here to frequently asked questions go to view more and then once you hit that view more you can come in here and you can search for articles so you can search for anything you want you want to search for you know, min uniques, you could type that in and then boom, we have a min unique article right here. We have other times where min uniques are mentioned in the transcripts. So you can go through here and you know how many min uniques should I have? I think Jordan does an awesome video, does an awesome job with the videos that he puts on here. A lot of you guys know Jordan from all the time he spent doing this show and all of this content is is really good content. So I would Highly recommend if you have more questions, the SaberSim support sabersim.com support is another awesome resource to check out. So going to get Sabersim pulled back up here, and then we are going to keep it rolling. That was the last question in the Discord, everybody. Going to move over to YouTube chat now. Looks like we got a handful of questions. Got a comment here from George. Said, what's up, Andrew? First time here. Just signed up today. Welcome, George. Happy to have you. If you have any questions, get them in the chat. And uh, just, you know, that's what this show is for, to help anybody with, you know, how to use the app or strategy. We cover a range of topics, and we cover any and all sports. So happy to have you. And uh, get in on the action. Don't be a stranger. All right. Joseph said, how similar are single entry builds versus 20 max? Okay. So good question. I would say the, the best way to find that out is to go and look at the slider settings for the different contests. So, you know, a lot of the times your single entries are going to be like usually in the one to 10,000 range for, especially like for NBA and you know, you're going to see like we're valuing correlation at like a low value. Ownership fade is off. We don't really care about ownership fade and we have like a moderate sim diversity. If I crank this up to a 20 max, usually the 20 maxes are like in the 10 000 to 50,000 entrant range, you know, correlation goes up slightly, but now we are taking into account ownership fade and our sim diversity is still moderate. So, you know, based on this, I would say not that different. The only big thing to me is that ownership fade went from 0 to two. So what this means is that when we run the sims and pull the projections from the randomly sampled sims, we are now taking into account ownership in that um, I guess like phase. So, you know what what we're doing is we're comparing the player projections to the player's ownership on a position by position basis and seeing how they grade out with an ownership metric applied to that. So if, if a player is, you know, highly owned, he might get a little bit of a worse grade in, in that. And when the ownership fade is turned higher and then similarly, if a player is low owned, they're going to get a better ownership fade grade in that situation. And that will be taken into account when building your lineup. So I think like this ownership component starts to become more important As you start to MME and play these 20 max and play like the 150 max, you'll probably see ownership go up even a little more. Sim diversity gets higher. That's allowing a larger pool of players into your lineups, probably to kind of try and find some of those outlier plays that might not grade out on a average mean based approach, but because we're randomly sampling the Sims and because we have a range of outcomes From for the players, uh, we are able to absorb this data and use it to build your lineups a lot better than traditional optimizers are that are just using randomness, just treating players as if they are normally distributed. So those are my thoughts there. All right, scrolling down through YouTube chat, looks like we have a couple more questions here not too many so if you guys got questions get them in the chat now but just going to keep rolling I see a question here from Ryan Nelson uh Ryan said only going to play the 20 max contest on DK do you like playing same 20 lineups or playing 60 unique lineups okay good question so you know if you are playing NBA on DraftKings three common contests are the quarter jukebox which is a 25 cent 20 max the $1 20 max and the $4.20 max. If if I were playing those three contests, I would build 60 unique lineups and I would probably uniquely random fill them. So, you know, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to build 60 lineups. And then what I'm going to do is like, okay, I like this lineup set. And then when I go to fill my lineups and I think, I think I'm playing those contests. So let's just get this file in here. I'll kind of show you guys what we're talking about. So going to get the file uploaded, going to get that in there and going to go back to my build. So I like these lineups, you know, I built 60 great. So I'm going to go sort here by entries and I'm going to pick the three contests we're just talking about, right? So that would be these three contests. So I'm going to check them in here and then I'm going to take my lineups 60 and I'm personally going to uniquely random fill them. And that means that of the 60 lineups, any 20 can go into each of these contests, but I know that each lineup is only being used one time. So that's personally how I like to do it. And my reasoning for that is that I think that the EV of a lineup is a lot closer to each other like than you might think intuitively. I don't think that like my one through 20 is that much different than my 21 through 40 if I were just taking like the top 60 lineups in my pool. So I don't care to like uniquely rank fill them. I think it can feel bad when, you know, your best lineup comes in in like the quarter jukebox and then you win the quarter jukebox as opposed to winning like the $4, like that kind of sucks. So if, if that's something that concerns you, you know, we have this unique rank fill method where you can move these contests around and fill them, you know, kind of like by entry fee. So if I wanted to go, okay, you know, I want my top 20 in the $4, I want my next 20 in the $1, and then my next 20 in the quarter jukebox, you could move the contests around using this little grab on the left, uniquely rank fill them, and then you'll know that they, they were filled descending. So, you know, if if you win the quarter, you know, it was one of the lower lineups in your in your uh, build, which might make you feel a little better. But I think overall, you know, my, the way, the way I think about it is that, you know, if I'm staying in that top 25 to 50% of my pool of lineups, applying min uniques, I think that it's totally okay to uniquely random fill it and I'll accept the variance in that situation. So that's how I like to think about it, but we're going to keep moving here. Got a question from Matthew. And Matthew said, can you explain a process for slate review using SaberSim, NBA or NFL preferably? How should I evaluate my process if I have a high scoring slash winning lineup in my pool, but not in my specific group of lineups? And how should I evaluate my process if I was way off and the winning lineup or players wasn't in my pool of lineups at all? Okay, really good question here. So what I will say is that if you are going to do this, I would recommend doing this over a multi-week sample. So I wouldn't just go back to yesterday's slate where I lost and draw a bunch of conclusions and say, okay, I'm going to make all these changes to my process because what happens when you don't do good again, like you're basically – restarting your process from scratch every single day and that sounds like a lot of work it sounds like unnecessary to be to be quite honest because sabers um dfs is like a high variance game and even the best of the best players the giant squids the max steinbergs you know ex, uh, experience this same variance you could be a really good player with a really high expectation of winning and still lose over multiple weeks over multiple months, but be a winning player overall. It's just the nature of the game. So I think that it's good to review your process, but I think that reviewing it too quickly or with too small of like a, or like with a magnifying glass on like on a calendar, you know, day by day is, is, is not a good approach overall. So, so what I would do is like, I would take your approach and especially for like something like NBA, you know, NBA is like a daily sport. Hopefully you're playing like multiple days a week and you can do like the same process at its core with some small tweaks for like two to three weeks. See how that's working out. An awesome metric to use is if if uh, you can um, afford it is a roto tracker. I believe they have like uh, free. They either have a free version or a cheaper version where you can upload like 750 entries. And in this version of the of the uh, tool, you can go in and look at your finish position. It's something that we talk about a lot. Is top one percent equity, or what I like to talk about is like they offer 0.5 percent buckets or even 0.1 percent buckets. So what this is is you want to see how often you come in the highest percentiles of a contest compared to like the average. So the the average, like if it was like a hundred person contest and you had one one single entry, then you would come in the top 1%. If you were, if everyone was of the same skill level, you know, 1% of the time, and then come in second 1% of the time to to reach like a hundred percent total. So what you can do is, you can go in and you can look at your finished position and see how often you're coming in the top 1% of the standings in your contests. Are you coming in more than that? Are you coming in at that? Are you, or are you coming in less than that? I think like if you can prove over a good sample that you are getting like 1.5% of your entries into the top 1% of your contests, you're probably doing something right. and. Even if the results haven't been there financially, I think that your process is probably pretty good and you just got to keep grinding it out. Keep using good bankroll management. Keep using good contest selection guidelines. The DFS profit plan is an awesome contest selection guideline that I recommend using. That's our own internal one. If you're not familiar with it, you can find it on our YouTube channel, but you know, you gotta, you gotta basically like write out the variance, and you gotta hope that you can, um, you can capitalize. So, you know, just reminder: the DFS profit plan. If you go to our YouTube, you go to home, you go to new here, starting here first. We break down a contest selection framework in a short 17 minute video. I use it myself. I I really enjoy it. It helps me smooth out the variance while I'm looking for those big wins to kind of take me to the next step. In my um, of my bankroll, so I could play bigger contests. I've had a lot of success with it overall, so I would highly recommend following that. And uh, just know that the variance can can take time to work itself out. But I think that you know, finish position, top one percent equity is is awesome. I would say that don't look too much on a slate by slate basis and take it more on like a two to three week period of tracking results, tracking finished position and seeing how you can kind of draw conclusions over, over a longer sample. So it's just important to exercise bankroll management in that time window. So you don't go broke before you can figure out if your process is indeed working or not. So those are my best. That's my best advice. Matthew, let me know if you have any more questions. Got a question here from Bryson said, when adjusting min unique players for NFL, are you able to adjust this number differently based on your stacks? E- example two min uniques for Geno stacks, three min uniques for Tua stacks in the same build. Okay, so Bryson, you are not able to do that at the moment. So, what this does, and let's go back to NFL. So, we're going to go back to this NFL build that we ran and the, what the MinUnique players is doing is it is just looking at each lineup. It's looking at all 500 lineups and kind of treating them all the same. It doesn't care who the players are in the lineup. I think what you're describing would be like the V2 of the MinUnique players in the build screen. Sounds like a really cool idea. I'll log it as a feature request and take it back to the team. I think it's like, you know, probably the next step in the MinUnique um elevation or or process so it sounds like a pretty cool idea and um i'll, I'll log it as a feature request so just know that the, the i'll make the team aware of that because i'm always taking feature requests on here a lot of great ideas come from the community so always happy to take those back to the team so i'm going to make a quick note here because it came in in a youtube chat bryson uh minuniques based on I would say like based on player, based on players, pretty much, slash stacks. And then I'll 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 make a note of that. So looks like Joseph said perfect thanks all based on the slider settings. Definitely, I think the sliders are like your best indication of what Sabersim is trying to do on a given slate or what Sabersim thinks the best approach for a given slate is. And that's based on, you know, lots and lots of data, lots and lots of back testing. Michael said, thank you. You guys are welcome. And then Bryson also said, thanks, Andrew. Much, much appreciated. So appreciate all of the uh, thank yous. You know, happy to hear that, you know, I'm answering your guys' questions and uh, doing a good job. You guys make this stream possible each and every week. Reminder, starting monday this stream will be at 2 p.m eastern it was the old stream time and it turns out it was the best stream time so we're going full circle we're going back to 2 p.m eastern seems like we get a lot more live questions in these earlier windows really love interacting with everyone live participating in the chat getting your questions answered so we will be right back 2 p.m eastern on monday i will put an announcement In the discord if you are not participating in our weekly max challenge i highly recommend getting in on the action if you don't know what the max challenge is it is a giveaway that we have been doing since last nfl season giving away awesome prizes we've already had three people win a championship belt for winning the mini max tournament if you don't know how to get signed up and you are in the discord if you go over to the nfl channel There is a pinned message up at the top that tells you how to get started and where to sign up and what you need to do to participate, giving out awesome awards all season long and uh, get in on the action and good luck in your contest this week, everybody. Until Monday, I will see you. Take care.